This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 122. Seven reasons why people don't read the Bible. Times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, powers at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello, welcome back to That's in the Bible, the podcast that's all about the Bible, what the Bible has to say. And joining me today is Pastor Strobel from Lockport, New York. It appears that Pastor Steve and Bear is traveling and uh, Pastor Matt, he hasn't gone back to the Arctic yet, but I know he's making preparations to do so. So those two are not able to be with us. But I do have Pastor Strobel here today. Pastor Strobel, how are you, sir? I'm doing well on this uh, Monday, just after noontime. Yes, it's probably the earliest we've recorded in maybe ever, <laughs> quite a while. Yeah. But uh, it's a beautiful day here, um, we, even though we're approaching into the fall here and, and soon to have our famous New York winters, which I don't, I don't particularly uh, mind, except for the duration <laughs> of the winter. I could tell you what, I could handle it a lot better if you didn't have to deal with uh, shoveling. Ah, see now that, for me, that's the advantage of being retired. If there's a lot of snow and I just don't go anywhere. I mean, <laughs> there you it, go. You can't wait, wait forever for it to, for melt it to on melt on the sidewalk. Yeah, you wait for it to melt. <laughs> the mailbox is out at the street, so I'm good to go. But no, I get out there and I'll do a little shoveling, but have a plow guy come and does the driveway, but... And I I do like the change of seasons. I don't mind the, the snow. It's just that it seems sometimes to drag on just a little bit too long. Yes, indeed. So today's a little different. I don't usually bring the podcast uh, episode myself. I usually have uh, Pastor Strobel or Pastor Steve or Pastor Matt do the study. But today, the Lord said, Eric, why don't you do something? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. along with Pastor Strobel here to keep me on the straight and narrow, we're going to take a look at uh, seven reasons why people don't read the Bible. And, and let me just ask you, you know, one of the things I think of is I think of kind of like the big three, and maybe there's more than three, but I think of, uh, like, would you say church attendance, Bible reading, and prayer are kind of essential to the Christian's walk? Almost definitely, they're foundational elements. And it's like um, it says over in Psalm 11, you know, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And if we don't keep those things in order, we really limit God's working in our lives. And I know that anytime I've um, neglected any one of those three, it doesn't go well for me. <laughs> it's not. Amen. Amen. It's, uh, I can speak from personal experience. So that's one of the reasons why today I wanted to talk about seven reasons why people don't read the Bible. But first of all, how are things in Lockport? Doing well. Had uh, good services yesterday. Ran into an interesting thing in the morning. Uh, down praying about a quarter after nine, our service Sunday school starts at 10. And I heard this big thump above me. Uh, not directly above me, but uh, coming from like the ceiling area. And occasionally I'll get something like that with the wind coming through the roof vents or something. Um, and so I, it startled me a bit 
and then I just forgot about it or went on. And then, man, I'm hearing more noise up, up above. And I get out there, and I mean, I, I turned the furnace off so I could hear this good. And there is something in our upstairs. Now, our upstairs at our building is unfinished. Hmm. Um, it has, in certain place, um, on, on the side, corrugated metal. And then it has, like, these uh, two-by-eight, about two-inch thick or so um, styrofoam pieces that lay along for along the rafters or above on top of the rafters, uh, you know, steel rafters for insulation. So, and I could hear something up there running back and forth. And I'm there by myself, and I don't know what this is. I mean, it sounds huge. And and, and I first of all, you know, how did the thing get up there? And I've got all these wild things coming ahead. I mean, I can picture this deer up there somehow, mm. which there's no way it could get up there. I don't know if we had a skunk, a raccoon, or what. Mm. I tried tried calling one of our guys for help, and I didn't get uh, he didn't answer the phone at that point. And so, I mean, this is the kind of thing where if you got this going on while you're trying to teach, I mean, it's <laughs> right above the people's heads wow. or preach. And so, man, I had to do something. So I, I got a hold of a. Um, well, the way, by the way, the way you get upstairs in our room is there's a furnace room as you come in in our church. There's a furnace room as you come in the front entrance. Off to the left, you open the door, and there's a wooden ladder that is nailed to the wall. When I say a ladder, not a not a ladder that you buy, but something that the folks made uh, some years ago to climb up the wall. One of the first things I noticed on that ladder was somebody wrote, come up hither. <laughs> so, so that's how you get up there. And so, you know, prayerfully, I, I got my phone flashlight on. I got, um, again, I don't know what I'm going to run into, some rabid wild animal. So I got a, a long wooden uh, pole that's used to, it's an extension for putting on a paint roller. And uh, without the paint roller on it, it had kind of a metal end. So I'm, I'm that one hand, my phone in the other, and I, and I open the door, you know, and and slowly just begin to try to see, uh, hoping I, you know, don't have to go up there to find to try to find it. And so as I do that, I see uh, on one of the exposed rafters uh, a squirrel. Hmm. Man, that was a relief. I figured, okay, I can yeah. handle a squirrel <laughs> a lot better than mm-hmm. some of those other options. And then um, I, I, I closed all of the doors to the auditorium, the restrooms, all of the Sunday school rooms, nursery, and I propped open the front door, hoping yep. to allure the squirrel go down, and then he'd just run out and only have one place to get out. And uh, eventually I had to get upstairs because he didn't immediately do that on his own. I, w- I got upstairs and, you know, tried to get in a place and leave it there for him to and he'd get it right up there but he wouldn't go down mm. and man now we're i mean time first of all there's other things i want to be doing right now besides <laughs> that in preparation for sunday school Amen. <laughs> and the time is getting um low and we got some people starting to come in um and they're early but once a couple are practicing for a special mm. others are doing a little bit of a cleaning before church <laughs> and and so I'm up there. Now, are you, are you dressed and uh, I am, in your Oh, yeah, man. Suit? I've got my suit and coat on, everything. <laughs> yep. Tie. We're, we're good to mm-hmm. go. And I'm up there then. I am praying and saying, all right, Lord, now you, you made these squirrels. You can, you, you know, 
it's your creature. Uh, <laughs> Lord, take your creature and lead it down there and out the front door. Mm-hmm. And I am just earnestly pleading with the Lord to, to handle the squirrel. Mm-hmm. And again, he'd get up there and then he'd go running back and forth and just making all kinds of racket here, there, up and on stuff. Finally, he goes the opposite direction um, to the other end of the building from where the opening is. And suddenly it's quiet. Mm. I don't hear anything. And I wait a little bit, you know, to see if he's just hanging, chilling, playing dead or whatever, but still nothing. Finally, I, 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 I'm good with that and just go downstairs, still don't hear anything. And uh, all I can figure is, and we haven't heard anything since, is that um, the Lord helped him find the way that he got in and he got out that way. Amen. And afterwards, looking around outside the building, we still can't figure where he got in, and unless he somehow crawled up a uh, inside of a wall somewhere mm. um, through a little, but I don't know. But that was exciting, and <laughs> not the way you like to go into Sunday school, but uh, <laughs> we survived. Amen. Now, so, yeah. are you able to to get across the the roofs or where he might have gone out to seal that if there is a hole over there? Um, I mean, inside. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it was, if I knew where it was, we could, but I can't figure where it was. Mm. Um, I, I, from everything I can tell, it wasn't through the roof. If he came through the roof, he'd have had a big drop. Yeah. Um, could have survived it, but, but we couldn't find anything just from the inside. You could look and see. There didn't seem to be any break in the roof. Mm. No um, side wall or, hard to know, no, I guess. Nothing that I could tell. I'm the only, yeah, the only, there's a maybe place outside, um, the auditorium where on um, um, there's some brick where there's an opening that's that's there and it's again if you got in there I'm still not sure how you'd get up into the wall but it's yeah. possible so we may have to uh, <laughs> look at that closer and see <laughs> these guys yeah squirrels are amazing I mean they're, uh, they're 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 pretty intelligent too they're and they're so agile they're like acrobats. Yeah. Um, I have a bird feeder on a on a like a pole that uh, sits next to the house. And originally, I thought, you know, I'm going to move it closer so you can see through the window and, and you know at the sink at the kitchen and enjoy you know watching God's birds there feeding. Um, but we also have squirrels. Now I put a baffle on the pole so they can't climb up the pole, and I thought I'm good to go. Not so much. The, I looked out the window, and there's a squirrel on the bird feeder. I mean, how did he get there? <laughs> so I scare him off, and I go sit down in the sunroom, which is you know a place where I can watch the bird feeder. Here, here comes the squirrel again. He looks at the uh, bird feeder, climbs up a tree, uh, from yes. the tree onto the roof, comes along the roof, and then and makes about a four-foot leap from the roof onto the top of the bird feeder. I mean, yes. that's a lot of thinking about how am I going to get there, you know? <laughs> yeah, that food motivates them. Yeah, so I, I had to move it another four feet away so he couldn't make an eight-foot leap and hasn't been able to since. But at some point I almost thought, man, he deserves to eat this food <laughs> after all that. But yeah, it's pretty. Yes, if they didn't devour it so quickly, we'd be happier to feed him. Yeah, it's well, I, I ran into to that kind of thing when I first put up our bird feeders as well, and I have them sufficiently baffled, um, properly located, 
And the squirrels still get enough food because the, the birds, you know, they yep. residually knock food on the ground. And so they, they love coming there and everybody's happy. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and, and get started on seven reasons why people don't read the Bible. And as we talked before the, the uh, we started recording that we might uh, do this a little bit different. Have you, typically what we will do is have folks, um, you know, comment after the presentation of the episode. But I thought maybe this time we would, uh, since it's just you and me here, we'll have, uh, have you join in as, as you feel led to do so. Amen. All right. So let's see. I need to give myself some intro. And here we go. Amen. I want to open a word of prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, again, I thank you for the opportunity to present your word, Lord. I just pray that you'd help everything to go smoothly and clearly, Lord, that you take away all technical aspects and difficulties, Lord. And again, help me to say what it is that you would have me to say and help it to reach the people it needs to reach. And again, I thank you for all the benefits and blessings you can continue to provide, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to take a look at seven reasons why people don't read the Bible. Now, have you ever wondered why people don't read the Bible? I remember after I first got saved and started attending a Bible-believing church, which happens to be where Pastor Strobel is, First Bible Baptist Church in Lockport, I couldn't believe all the great things I was reading in the Bible, and I was excited to show others, figuring they would be as excited as I was. But for the most part, many weren't. Now, how could you not want to know what God had to say through the Bible? So today we're going to take a look at seven reasons why people are not interested in God and the Bible. Now, there's going to be some overlap, but we're going to break these into seven broad areas or reasons why people choose not to read the Bible. Now, it's not going to be a comprehensive and exhaustive list. You may be able to come up with other reasons yourself. And this could also double as a list of why people don't come to God in general. Now, first off, I know that we are very blessed here in America, and as a result, there are no shortages of Bibles available. Anyone that wants a King James Bible, well, you can go to a store such as a Walmart or order one on Amazon for really a pretty cheap price. Typically, you can get a Bible for as little as $7 in like paperback form. I know that in other places of the world, it may not be as easy to obtain a Bible, and we have listeners really now from all over the world. Uh, sometimes a Bible may even be forbidden or outlawed. Now, here's something to consider. The Voice of the Martyrs categorizes, listen to this, 52 countries where Bibles are still difficult or dangerous to obtain or even flat-out illegal and only available by getting them through smuggling them in. Countries such as Iran, Afghanistan, North Korea, China, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Kuwait, India, Syria, Turkey, and the United Arab Emirates, just to name a few, are on that list and fall into those categories. And I provided a link in the show notes for that. So when we discuss why people don't read the Bible in this episode today, we're, we're not talking about those people that can't obtain one. In fact, we should be praying for those people in these countries that they would be given access to the truth. But instead, we're going to be talking about those people that don't read the Bible that, well, could easily obtain one if they don't have one already. So let's start. Let's turn to the Bible itself for some insight and reasons why people don't read the Bible. 
Now, the first reason I've listed here is, number one, there's a famine in the land. Now, when I say famine, I don't mean a famine in the sense that we might normally think of it as being a lack of food. But as the Bible sometimes looks at the word famine, take a look in the Old Testament in the book of Amos. Now, you're going to find Amos after Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, and Joel. So Amos chapter 8, verse 11, here's what it says. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And in verse 12 it says, And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Now, while this judgment is directed against Israel, this passage, we can certainly see that, you know, we can make application to this in our, in our present day. Now, when I was growing up in the 60s, there was still a respect for the Bible and understanding that it was God's Word. If you were going to church, you got dressed up in your good church clothes, got seated in a pew, sang the old hymns from a hymn book, and turned to the places in the Bible the preacher directed us to. There was a certain awe and reverence for the Bible that was highlighted by the preaching. However, in many churches today, there is a lack of preaching and teaching of the Word of God. A great many churches are now more concerned with appealing to the world and have introduced the world into the church with, what, rock bands, worldly dress, feel-good worldly messages with no one carrying a Bible in sight, and an absence of the Bible spoken from the pulpit, even if if there is even is a pulpit. You know, even if there is a building called a church, it's getting harder to find a church. Instead, we have what? The journey, the bridge. I think one was called Elevate, New Life. It seems like each one's trying to distance itself from any mention of the word church and to obscure what they might actually believe. You know, if you... If you see the word Baptist, Methodist, Catholic on the sign outside, you have a good idea of what you're going to find inside. And for the average unsaved person looking to attend church, he's going to have no idea what he's walking into. I guess you could say he would if he was savvy enough to understand the reason they don't put Baptist or Methodist, Catholic, is that there's some sort of modern, typically, church that is going for a word like the journey or the bridge, right? But these many of these movements seem to be the come as you are, leave as you are mentality. Feel good about you, feel good about each other. God loves you just the way you are. Smile and feel good. There's no real preaching from the Bible about sin, holiness, biblical standards, separation from the world, or the need for sinners to be saved. And while God is love, it's not, you know, you don't see them in heaven saying love, love, love. What are they saying in heaven? They're saying holy, holy, holy. Now, there's no emphasis in these modern churches on reading the Bible in church and certainly no call to the congregation to read the Bible at home. Brothers and sisters, if you are a member of a Bible-believing church, praise God, because they they can be hard to find. Be thankful there are still some Christ-honoring, Bible-preaching and teaching churches around and support them with your attendance and giving. If I can use the analogy, get in the yoke and help Pull the plow with the pastor to get the work done of the local church, reaching the lost and edifying the saints. And if you are in a church that does not emphasize the Bible, um, I, I would ask, what are you doing there? I mean, is that the church God wants you in? So that's 
That's point number one. People are not reading their Bibles because in many cases there's no call or emphasis by the church they are attending to do so. And there's a, a lack of, of the word. There's a famine in the land. Pastor Strobel, what, what would you say to that point? Amen. I think the, you're spot on. There needs to be more of an emphasis. We, we live really in a biblically illiterate society. Amen. They don't know what the scripture says. They got bits and pieces. Some of them really have never held a Bible in their hands. And we're raising a generation of people. And we already have a generation that's kind of grown up and graduated that have grown up that way. And to, to just, they're in society, they're functioning members, but they have no biblical background. And uh, I think you're, you're right on. A lot of it is because there is not that emphasis from the churches, the pulpits, the preaching. You know, in the scriptures, I like Isaiah thirty four sixteen. The very beginning of that verse says, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Amen. I have a custom-made um, uh, Bible cover that somebody did for me, leather-made, and asked me what verse I want on it. So that's, that's what I want. I want those words, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. <laughs> Amen. And uh, it, it reminds me of the importance of reading uh, that Bible. Amen. All right, so let's go to point number two that I've got here. And number two, uh, it seems to be foolish or hard to understand. Now, that's a, that's a saying you'll hear from people that they'll say from time to time. They'll say, oh, the Bible's hard to understand. It doesn't make sense. I, I just can't get it. But I think most of the people who have said this is because not they have actually tried to sit down and read the Bible and found it hard to understand, but rather it's something they've heard said. Yeah, sure, the first time you sit down to read the Bible, there's going to be passages and areas that you won't be clear on your first reading. And, but there will be things that God will show you, and over time, he will give you more light and understanding of these passages in the Bible as you continue to study and diligently seek after him. You know, the Bible says we are to study the Bible, and it will take some work. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Christian, if you today find yourself not engaged in daily Bible reading and studying the Bible, you are not following the Lord and the plan he has for your life. We are to search the scriptures. John 5.39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. One more time, Acts 17.11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, that isn't to say that there won't be some passages in the Bible that you won't be able to explain. You know, that continues to be true for most Christians. But there's also a truth that an unsaved man sitting down to read the Bible, he is going to have difficulty in understanding it, and that's from a spiritual aspect. You see, because the Bible is a spiritual book. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know, when you get saved, you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who guides you into all truth and helps you to understand the Bible. See John sixteen thirteen. Now, let me give you an example. Take my friend. I have a friend by the name of Bob, for example. He's a smart guy. He's got a Ph.D. in electrical engineering. He's a college professor. Well, actually, he was. He's retired now. He can't seem to read the Bible or to understand it. 
how do you explain that? A highly educated person? He says, I, I, I can't understand it. And I've been witnessing to him for years. I've even sent him a King James the Bible, and he said he would read it. So I followed up with him, and I asked him, Bob, how's the Bible reading going? And he said he tried to read it, but he just couldn't. I, I, I asked him, come on, Bob, you're a smart guy, huh? What are you saying? I asked him specifically what part he had trouble with. And here's what he said. Right in the beginning, he had trouble with it, what the Bible said. And this is the section he pointed out. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now here's what Bob said about that. Bob said he stopped reading right then, and he said he didn't think it was fair to the animals that man was given dominion over every other animal and creature on the earth. (laughs) I said... He, he said, he, he told me, he says, I think it's conceited and arrogant for, for a man to think he's, he's in charge and has, should be have, have control of everything. I was astounded he'd only gotten through 26 verses in the Bible, <laughs> and he had such a serious objection that he could no longer continue to read the Bible. Uh, and I, let me just say, yeah, folks, man is made in the image of God. He does have dominion over a dog or a cat or any other creature on earth. It seems obvious to me. So I asked Bob, who feeds your dog and cats that you own? He says he does. I asked him, who takes them to the vet when they get sick? He does. He has dominion over his own animals. They don't feed him and take care of him when he's sick, right? But this thinking, I believe, stems from his belief in evolution, that man evolved from monkeys and man is basically on the same plane as an animal. And, of course, we know evolution is not true. It, th- does it seem crazy to you? What do you think, Pastor Strobel? Yeah, it, it seemed crazy if it wasn't so typical. It's uh, like the old saying, any old port in a storm. If you don't really want to do it, then you can find an excuse not to. And and it, and it just, I think, I think you hit it again on the head because if you believe that we all came from animals, then we all are on an equal plane. And, you know, what business do we have uh, being any, thinking we're any better? But again, it's not us that made ourselves better. It's the Lord that set it up that way. And that's what Genesis 1 is talking about. And, you know, when it comes to um, not being able to understand the scriptures, uh, there is enough, as you read that Bible, there's enough in the Bible that you will understand to keep you busy until you can understand the parts that you don't. Amen. (laughs) And as you were talking about his objections, um, it's very reminiscent of... uh, Isaiah 29, verses 11 and 12. And it's, you get reading the Bible, just amazing how the Lord has all of this in there. But but here's people, and, and they're complaining about the whole scriptures. And, and it says, And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. So the educated say, Well, this, this, is, this is a different kind of a book. It's, it's sealed. I, I, I can't get this. 
And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. So the uneducated say, Well, I'm just, I can't understand that language. It's, un, uh, it's unfamiliar to me. I'm not wise or smart enough. And then the learned say, Well, this is, this is a whole other religious thing. It's sealed. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it's, again, any excuse you want when you don't want to read the Bible, it'll work just yeah. fine, I suppose. Amen. But you're only cutting yourself out of the light and out of the blessing. Amen. And and going back to his thing on evolution, I mean, we know evolution's not true. Psalm 100, uh, verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep Amen. of his pasture. The book of Genesis gives the account of God creating the heaven and the earth, man and all the animals. But I, But there is something in man that thinks because we think about things a certain way, right, that God must also think that way. But it's not true. Amen. Right, Isaiah right. 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And Proverbs fourteen Amen. twelve. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, I, I think Bob saw this dominion thing, this concept over animals, as somehow a license for man to abuse or mistreat animals. But again, the Bible doesn't sanction the abuse of animals. Proverbs 12.10 says, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. So it's Amen. to me it's obvious Bob wasn't having trouble reading the Bible or understanding the Bible, but instead he didn't like what the Bible said. It was heart Amen. trouble he had, not head trouble. And the last thing you want to do is follow your heart and not the Bible. Why? Because Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. What do you think, Pastor Strobel? Is that, I think it's more heart trouble than, than it is, I, I can't understand it. Most definitely. It's interesting when you look into um, the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, it struck me some years ago reading through there that one of the works of the flesh is heresy. Amen. And we tend to think of heresy as, you know, an, an intellectual problem and so on and so forth. But it, but the problem is people believe heresy because uh, they want to, or they believe it, looking at it this way, they believe it because um, it's more convenient. Their flesh rebels against the the thought of, for example, Genesis one twenty six, or their flesh rebels against the idea of hell. And their heart, you know, can't reconcile, you know, these things with with life, with the world, with, with God. And so they concoct a different way of looking at things, and, which is false, and then embrace the heresy. But it is. It all comes down to that heart. That heart, if, if you don't want to believe the truth, the Lord will let you believe a lie. Amen. Amen. So let's go to point three. Point three, I've... I've written down here is it's this what's in it for me mentality. So I think the reason some people don't read the Bible is because they don't believe it's going to benefit them. It's the what's in it for me thinking. I have a job, I got money in the bank, enough to eat, enough spending money. You know, maybe I got a nice car or a boat or I watch television, hang out with friends, family. What do I need God in the Bible for? Proverbs 27, 7 says, The full soul loatheth an honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. 
In Deuteronomy, we find God reminding the nation of Israel not to forget that it was God that brought them out of bondage into the promised land, and not they themselves. Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 10, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And then in verse 17 it says, And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine own hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. You know, everything we have comes from God. Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. We were created for God's pleasure, not for our own pleasure. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And again in Job, we see this what's in it for me, why do I need God type of thinking. Job 21, chapter 7, I'm sorry, Job 21, verse 7. Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power? Continuing on, their seed is established in their sight with them and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull gendereth and faileth not, their cow calveth and casteth not her calf. They send forth their little ones like a flock and their children dance. They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? I know, Pastor Strobel, you've used that and quoted that verse before, and uh, I, I just think it, it matches exactly what we're seeing today. Amen, yes. I, I Generally, when I'm looking at that verse, one of the main things I see is the the roots as to why they were saying what they were saying, and, and this is another topic, but the roots in that case was in Job because of the music. The music they were mm-hmm. listening to was actually uh, messing with their, their minds so that they wanted nothing to do with God. And the same can be said, you know, when they want nothing to do with his word. The Lord and his word are so connected that, um, you know, to deny one is to deny the other. And as far as what you can get out of the Bible, I mean, the, in Revelation 1, 3, you are promised a blessing just for reading the words of God. So if you ever get that place where you think, man, I just, I need, this isn't going well, I need a blessing, stop and read the scriptures. Um, let, me, let me also add that, you know, we're looking at a lot, so far from the standpoint of a lot of why this uh, lost world doesn't read it, I should interject that... Uh, you know, sometimes Christians don't read their Bibles like they should either. And you kind of alluded to that earlier, you know, just by by way of uh, testimony, how it can happen with, with us. <clears throat> but with this subject of, you know, what's in it for me, 
Another way that I've heard it put is, well, I, I've read the Bible, but I'm just not getting anything out of it. And one of the answers to that is, you know, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 talks about the washing of water by the word. So I, I look at it like this. Even if you don't get a lot out of it directly, you're going to come out of it cleaner. Uh, illustration is you take a, a boy that's been out, you know, playing in the dirt all day long. Mom says, time to come in, time to wind down. Now I want you to take a bath. He may go kicking and screaming into the bath, not want to take it, and complain the whole time he's in there and, uh, you know, come out, uh, come out of it f- finally. And he may not have liked it or enjoyed it, or he might not even thought he got anything out of it, but when he comes out, he's a cleaner boy. Amen. <laughs> and, and so it is when we read the Bible. It's also like being plugged into the power source of God. Amen. I mean, when I grasp this, you know, the Word of God is quick and powerful. I mean, all of my Bible reading changed. Uh, whereas before, it's like, oh, man, plowing through some of this hard Old Testament stuff the begats, you know, and, and some of the stuff in Leviticus and Exodus and the building of the um, tabernacle and those details and the instructions for the priests and how they're to do the offerings and the blood. It's just like mind-boggling. And now it's just like, man, it's I'm even if I don't grasp a lot of it, and, and I think I grasp more than I used to, and I know I still don't grasp anywhere near what's in there in some of that those places, so I'm still learning and a student and looking forward to, to understanding it even better. But at the same time, I just kind of feel like I'm plugged into a spiritual battery charger. Amen. And when I'm all said and done, I, I've, I've gotten uh, my power uh, you know, that I needed. It's also like a meal, right? Mm-hmm. There's some meals that you savor, you love, you enjoy, you think about, you talk about later on. You look forward to having again. And there's other meals is like, I <laughs> <laughs> forget about that one. And and yet, even those meals, they sustain you Amen. through the day. And so it is with the scriptures. Amen. That's excellent points. And, you know, just a, I started in this section here talking about how people think, well, I've got everything I need. Why do I need God? What's in it for me? But, you know, the Lord spoke about this also, and he said in the book of Luke, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That's right. Let's let's look at this passage in the book of Luke. Turn to Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16. It says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be? which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now you may today feel that you have no need of God, that you have everything that you need, but you know what? You're going to die and you're going to come face to face with God. If in this life you neglect your own soul by not getting right with God, by getting saved, you will have lost not only all of your possessions when you die, but your eternal soul as well. 
Also in this life, you're going to face problems, the death of loved ones, sickness, disappointment, uh, just a variety of problems. But you know what? Knowing that the Lord is with you to give you comfort and the guidance you get from reading your Bible, it's going to be invaluable to you. All right, so let's look at four more reasons here, or actually five, but our next four reasons for not reading the Bible are found in the Gospels, and it comes from a parable that Jesus gives us, the parable of the sower. So if you would turn to the um, book of Luke, and actually this parable is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But let's turn to Luke to start with and uh, chapter 8. And beginning in verse 5, it says, The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now if we drop down to verse 11, he gives the explanation. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So, the Bible. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So, my fourth reason that people don't read the Bible is the devil. And I know, while many think the devil is not real, here Jesus himself points out that he is, and he is an enemy of the Word of God. As we read in this passage, his goal is to take the Word out of people's hearts so they won't get saved. So, Let me ask, is it any wonder that he attacked the Word of God by substituting the perfect and complete King James Bible with hundreds of counterfeit Bibles? These corrupt new Bibles, they attack the virgin birth of Christ, they remove the blood of Christ, they incorporate a whole host of errors, and they remove entire verses. They all come from corrupt manuscripts and are the devil's ploy to steal the Word of God from the average churchgoer. What better way, really, when you think about it, what better way to confuse the person seeking the Word of God by substituting an inferior, watered-down Bible with errors and missing verses? Now, I know, that's a whole study in and of itself. And on our podcast, we've recently started a new segment called The Sword Versus the Spear, where we demonstrate how the new Bibles remove verses, they add a whole host of errors into the Bible and attack doctrine, Now, some of you may be saying, I've never heard of such a thing. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, that's just your opinion. Well, how about we take a look right now at some simple examples of how the new Bibles are not easier to read. I'm going to be comparing the King James Bible, known as the Authorized Version, which is over 400 years old now, and we're going to compare it with some of the new modern translations. But if you have a Bible translation at home, use yours, and let's see if it's easier to read than the King James Bible. Now, Pastor Strobel, I'm going to ask for your help on this one. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12, verse 9. Genesis chapter 12, verse 9. And we're going to compare the King James Bible and see if it's easier to read or harder to read than the New American Standard Version. And I'll read the New American Standard. If you could read to us uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 9 from the King James. Genesis 12, 9, and Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. 
All right. Seems pretty easy to understand. Well, let's see if the New American Standard made it even easier to understand. And it says from the New American Standard, Genesis 12, verse 9, Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Now, was that easier to understand? Yeah, I need the buzzer. <laughs> then, then Abraham journeyed going on still toward the south. What? Oh, I thought all the Bibles, the new Bibles were just, uh, they, they just updated the words and made it easy to understand. Abram journeyed on continuing toward the Negev. How's that? That's not easier to understand. All right. Unless you think I'm just picking out, you know, some, that one. Let's, let's go to uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 14. And uh, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna read from the New American Standard version, and uh, we're gonna see which is easier to understand, and which is uh, which is harder to understand uh, by all the publicity we hear about the new Bibles. Oh, they've just updated, so it's easier to understand. Well, let's see mm-hmm. what the let's see what the King James Bible has from Micah five fourteen. All right, Micah five fourteen, and I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee so will I destroy thy cities. Seems simple enough to me, but let's see if the new Bibles are going to make it even easier to understand. Micah 5.14 for the New American Standard, I will uproot your ashram from among you and destroy your cities. There we go. I don't know what ashram <laughs> means. <laughs> but that's not easier to understand. No. All right, let's be fair. Let, let's let's let the tran- new translation go first this time, and we'll see how the Revised Standard Version has made the Bible so much easier to read. And I'm going to be reading from Job chapter six, verse six. And Pastor Strobel, if you could get Job six, verse six in the King James. So here from the uh, Revised Standard Version, another translation, a new modern translation. Let's see how they made it so much easier to read. Job chapter 6, verse 6 says, Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt, or is there any taste in the slime of the purslain? Does anybody know here what the slime of the purslain is? <laughs> well, let's look at the King James Bible and let's compare which is easier to read. Job 6, 6, Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? I would say that's much easier to understand than the slime of the purslain. I don't even want to eat the slime of the purslain. It sounds horrible. <laughs> oh my! Soul. But I like a white of an egg. Here, and they say, buy this Bible. It's easier to understand. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? It's 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 just it, horrible. It's big business. All these new Bibles. Yeah. Well, they're all and, copyrighted. And then they update them, and they and and they have the same publishers coming out with different versions. And every one that comes out, it's they always seem to tout the same thing mm-hmm. based on the most recent archaeological evidence and understanding. Blah blah blah. And just keep buying them, buying them, buying them. Yeah, they keep making money. So that was that was easier to understand. But what about accuracy? That's one of the other things they say that the new Bibles are so much more accurate. Well, I think most people listening to this podcast know the account of David and Goliath, right? David killed the giant Goliath. Well, let's see, according Mm -hmm. to the new translation, the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, who killed Goliath. Here it is. 2 Samuel 21.19 says, And there was again war with the Philistines at Gob. 
And Elhanan, the son of Jerorajim, the Bethlehemite, slew Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So, really, the Revised Standard Version says Elhanan slew Goliath and killed Goliath? Is that accurate? I don't think so. How about 2 Samuel 21, 19, Pastor Strobel in the King James? 2 Samuel 21, verse number 19. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan, the son of Jeroragim, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So as you can see, the King James Bible is accurate, but by pointing out that Elhanan slew the brother of Goliath. Yes, it is. So the new translations, they're not more accurate, and they're not easier to read. Well, what about missing verses from many of the new Bibles? Did you know that most new Bibles remove entire verses from the Bible? Here's a few. Matthew 17, 21, 18, 11, 23, 14, Mark 7, 16, 11, 26, 15, 28, 9, 44, and 45, Luke 17, 36, 23, 17, John 5, 4, Acts 8, 37, 15, 34, and 24, 7, just to name a few. That's a lot of verses just off the, off the, just off the cuff that are completely gone. And they keep the verse numbers, but they, they just have these gone. So we see that they take out entire verses, but they also attack important Bible doctrines. Now, some people will say, well, okay, so maybe there's a few verses gone. Maybe they, they're not as accurate. Maybe, they're, maybe they, um, they're not easier to read, but at least they don't, you know, they don't attack any major do- Bible doctrines. Yeah, well, that's not true either. Luke 23, 42. Luke 23:42, uh, the New Bible says, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's much different than Luke 23:42 in the King James Bible. Yes, in the King James it says, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So you can see how the New Bibles attack Jesus' deity by removing the word Lord. And then in Luke Amen. chapter 2, verse 33, and I'm using the New International Version for this one. Luke chapter 2, verse 33. It says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So this is talking about Jesus. And uh, what does the King James say? King James says in Luke 2.33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So the virgin birth of Christ is attacked here in the New International Version by stating that Joseph is his father. But the King James mm-hmm. Bible keeps the virgin birth intact by using the word Joseph and not father. So we could go on with many, many more examples, but that's not the main thrust of the, the podcast today, the episode, but I think it does provide some evidence of how Satan has tried to direct people away from the real Bible. Well, I'd say this, and just to kind of maybe spell out what you're telling them, is you can have people that think they're reading all the words of God and not actually reading it because they're not reading in uh, an accurate Bible. They don't have all the words. And you know, the Lord, uh, he, he uh, had some stern things to say about that. I'll give you a couple thoughts. Jeremiah 23, uh, verse 30 and 31, he says, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, 
that steal my words every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, He saith. And the idea is they're saying, well, this is what God said when God hadn't said it. Um, Ezekiel gives that even a little bit more fully in Ezekiel 22:28, And it says, And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity, and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. When you change the words or you leave out the words and you change the doctrines and I mean you can say well this is what God said and he's not saying it. I may as well just say well the Lord said this and make something up. And that's what happens with Amen. these Bibles and that's that's where the devil has gotten his hand in there. Amen. So let's go on to uh, number five and again from the same parable of the sower we're going to look at uh, what I've labeled here temptation, affliction, and persecution. And uh, this is starting in the book of uh, Luke, chapter 8, verse 13. They on the rock are they, which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in a time of temptation fall away. And in a parallel passage in Mark four seventeen, it says, When affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So, in this situation, the Bible, the Bible reader starts out good. They're excited to hear the word. They believe for a while, but it's it's a an outward belief for, because when temptation, affliction, or persecution comes, they get offended and they stop reading. And I picture it like someone coming along and saying, "What? You don't seriously read the Bible, do you? Don't you know that's just a myth? It's you know science proven. It's not true. Yeah, what's wrong with you?" Or some other worldly temptation comes along and they are drawn away. Um, What do you think about that point, Pastor Strobel? Uh, Yes. You know, it comes back to what you said earlier about the heart issue. I think of um, the offense of of being offended at his word, like uh, the Lord told us back in Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So the heart issue is they they have other things in their heart, Um, idols in their heart, the Lord talks about in one place, um, sin in their heart, something in their heart that loves something more than they do God, and then, of course, loves error more than they do his word, or loves getting along with people and society more than they do the living words of the living God. Amen. So, uh, continuing on with that uh, parable that Jesus talked about, the parable of the sower. We're going to continue on with Luke eight fourteen, And for number six, I've labeled it pleasures of sin for a season. And it says, And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So it seems like three things here in this situation keep this man from being a fruitful Bible reader. They are cares, riches and the pleasures of this life. The person seems to be too taken up with the world to spend time on spiritual things like reading the Bible. Now, the world and its many deceits demand their attention and Bible reading just kind of drops away. You know, and that, again, as Pastor Strobel pointed out, that can be true for Christians as well as those that are just starting out reading the Bible that may be unsaved. That You know what? There are there are a lot of demands in the world. We have everyday things which are, we have to take care of, That uh, whether it's upkeep of the house, it's the job, it's the family, and all of those things are right and should be attended to. 
But when they crowd out your Bible reading and your Bible reading takes a back seat or it isn't even included in your day-to-day living, something's wrong. Pastor? Amen. It, it comes down to uh, prioritizing. And one of the great early verses that I heard and learned early on in my Christian life, and I don't know that you hear it a lot today, but it certainly needs to be revived um, if, if preachers are not preaching and emphasizing this. It's Matthew 6.33. And that verse says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The things in the context of Matthew chapter 6, uh, 33, uh, before uh, you get there and after, it has to do with the things of this world. It has to do with what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. It has to do with just the things of life. And what we do is we tend to spend our time and energy in our lives seeking after those things that God told us he would add to us and, and provide for us if we would just seek him first. And if you seek the Lord first and prioritize this, then you know before your your day gets swallowed up with all the cares of this world, you will make it a priority and and on purpose make sure that you do spend some time reading your Bible. And everybody's schedule is different. Maybe maybe the way your schedule is laid out, you can't really get to the bulk of your Bible reading first thing in the morning. I would say at least read something. There are plenty of places in the Psalms, for example, where you have little bite-sized pieces. Uh, bite-sized psalms that are just like bite-sized little breakfast pieces that you could have to get you going. Um, Psalm 120, 121, 122, 123, 4, 5, um, 26, 27, 128. Uh, th- those are real good. 130, 131, uh, 133, 134. Little bite-sized pieces. It's kind of like somebody that doesn't have time to sit down and and grab a whole breakfast, but they'll grab you know a bagel. Or uh, we used to have when I was a kid, Carnation Instant Breakfast, which was essentially basically um, chocolate milk sprayed with vitamins. <laughs> but it worked. It worked for us back in the day. Or you might grab a piece of toast or something on the way out, or an apple, you know, or something. And and I'm saying do that. You gotta you gotta get your spiritual juices flowing. So so do that, and then just make sure that you have a regular time reading. Um, for me, the the way things tend to work for me, the best part is I, I, I different days. You know, sometimes it'll get pushed a little bit later on, but it's always best when I when I can do it early. I like to do it earlier, uh, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And again, even if I can, I'm going to get something going a, a little bit, but. Um, I've also found this, and some others may may find this as well, but the tendency is the longer I wait in the day to sit down and read my Bible, the harder it is to, to get down and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, again, uh, incorporate it in your schedule, but the important thing is that you prioritize it and make sure that you spend time in that book every day. You, you need it. You'll be glad you did. Amen. I know my mind, if I can do it the first thing in the morning, I'm just clear. I don't have other thoughts that I've already had, and, and it just seems to go down easier. I seem to understand it better. <laughs> Amen. You know, Amen. Right, right at the beginning, if I can. Um, is there certain, any way that you would read the Bible that, that you would recommend? Uh, I know for me, I've started doing like a little checklist, and, and um, I've been using... Uh, a checklist so that I can be sure to keep on track so that I could at least read the Bible in a year. The The plan I'm using right now is I uh, 
actually the end of this month, I'll have read the entire Bible um, through uh, the New Testament twice and Psalms twice. Um, but Amen. is there is there a, a certain way that's better than another? Well, first let me start by saying, um, if you're going to read the Bible, if you're going to make sure you read it every day, um, there's really no bad way to read it as long as you're working to get through it. And I say work and get through it because, you know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So you want to read every word. So to try to get through it at least once in a year, I think is is a very good goal. That's That's where you want to start with that. And there's all kinds of ways to do it. When I first started reading the Bible, I, I, I used a Bible reading checklist that I had, which had a box for, I had all the books of the Bible, and then in, for each book it had a box for every chapter in it. So at that point I could skip around. And that's how I started when I first started reading my New Testament. Uh, when I first started reading the Bible, that's what I started reading, my New Testament. And to keep my attention, I would read through one gospel, and then I would go and read some of the epistles. And then I'd go back and read through another gospel and then and then more epistles. And I did that all the way. And I was kind of also pushing my way toward the end. I was excited to read the book of Revelation for the first time. Um, and that also kind of helped me, helped motivate me to, to keep on course. And, and at that point, you know, and I hadn't been doing a lot of reading at that point. And I was coming out of stuff where my mind was in a fog. But I pressed through that in about two weeks, got through the New Testament. And the Old Testament was considerably longer. But that's a good way to do it. If you have a Bible reading checklist, there's different places you can get them. We have some that we get from uh, the Beams Bible Ministry, which stands, I think, for Baptist Education and, and Missionary um, Service, uh, something along those lines. And they they provide whole Bibles to uh, missionaries. But they also have these Bible reading checklists, which are very well done, colorful, you know, glossy paper, <clears throat> and you can use something like that. Um, other track people that print tracks would have different uh, Bible checklists as well that you could, could find with a little bit of searching. Uh, the, the method that you talked about reading, that runs uh, parallel with a Bible reading calendar that I get for our people. Um, every year we order them uh, from uh, this organization that puts them out uh, master's line it's called and you can look up uh, master's line i'm not sure if it's masterslinecom but you can look it up and find that uh, online oh matter of fact here i got one right here um master's line i'll i'll let me just get the exact and I'll, I'll have, website i'll have these links in the show notes too all right because actually we just I just placed our order, I think it was last week or the report. So it's www.mastersline.com, masters plural. And uh, each year they'll give you three different calendars that you can choose from. So on each date of the calendar, they have a, a Bible reading, different Bible reading selections. And if you follow that, it does, it helps you get through the entire Bible in one year and the um, book of Psalms twice and the book of Proverbs um, 12 times. Wow. And it's, that's similar, if not exactly what you said. I can't remember all the details. But, but that's, a, that's a good way to do it as well. Amen. So what I have, last thing I'll say is what I have come to do for myself, and, and which, which I like and works good for me, is I just go from beginning to end and then back to the beginning again. Um, and I do that. Uh, I, I like to do it just the way the Lord has it laid out. I am 
perfectly fine with anybody else doing it a different way. Whatever works good for you, as long as you read that Bible through, is, is going to be good. Mm-hmm. In so doing, I have also garnered the practice, instead of reading it through an even number of times um, over the last uh, however many years, I do it an odd uh, number of times. In other words, so I'm not getting through the scriptures exactly the same amount of times. So it might be like if somebody was going to read, if, if, if you take an even amount of times, as well, I read my Bible through once. Well, I do it like one and a half. And, and, and that's not my number, but I'm just saying this is, this is, yeah, in other words, I'll, what I do is I read a certain amount of pages per day, and that's also variable. I have a minute, when I say a certain amount, a minimum, you know, uh, average amount of pages that I read, but I'll, uh, often I'll read beyond that, you know, just soaking mm-hmm. in more. Right. <laughs> so at the end of the year, I will not have read it through, say, just one time, but maybe one and a half, or not just two times, maybe two and a third. The reason that I like this is because I'm not in the same place of my Bible reading at the same time every year. Uh, (laughs) For me, it just keeps it fresh and exciting. I got to the place when I was an even amount of times when I was just, you know, okay, it's it's January, we're in Genesis again, and (laughs) and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe some of you like that, and I'm absolutely not criticizing anybody that does it that way, but just throwing it out there in case some of you might might think, hey, that would work good for me uh, as well. And so different times of year, I'm in different places. We keep it fresh. We keep it um, real. Amen. <laughs> well, Amen. And, it, and it's real the other way, too. But I yeah. just I just enjoy doing it that way. Now, I, I know. And, and ha- Go ahead. I was gonna say, having said that, I'm on a different track this year, pushing to do a little bit more. And um, I may wind up reading it an even amount of times for the first time in, in so many years, but I, but I'm going to work not to. I'm going to work to go beyond if I get if I do get it uh, the extra amount of times. Right. Now I know some people have they have a plan where they'll, you know, read through the um, the Bible, but they'll also read a proverb for the day. You're familiar with mm-hmm. that? Yes, definitely. And I think that's how the. Um, Bible reading calendar works it where they're reading a uh, proverb a day, averaging, and gets it through uh, 12 times in a year. Okay. And so that's a corresponds generally, yeah, to the to the days of the month. But of course, with the months that are shorter than 31 days, you have to add a f- add a couple or two or three, Amen. depending on the month. If it's February, you add more. It's good stuff, and I think you know one of the things once once you start reading your Bible every day. Like other things, it becomes a habit where it doesn't feel right yes. if you don't don't read the Bible. So you know, well, it, it puts us in our right mind. Amen. Really, it really it really does. Keeps and then, and it also here's another little thought that I that I uh, put out from time to time. But the Bible says all flesh is as grass, right? Yep. So the Bible is also it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's like. Uh, every morning, you just got to mow the lawn, you know, <laughs> spiritually speaking. Amen. It keeps your flesh down. Yeah. The scriptures just cut down that grass that cuts down that flesh, and um, it it puts you, your flesh, in the right place, and it puts the Lord, the new man, um, in the right place as well. Amen. All right. Well, let's 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 close it up here with uh, number seven, the seventh reason I've listed here. Uh, for not reading the Bible is idolatry. 
And now with idolatry, we're going to go back to where we started about talking about my friend Bob. Now, Bob is someone that I met way back in sixth grade, and he now lives multiple states away from me. He lives in Alabama. I live in New York. But we have kept in contact over the years. And I would love to see him get saved because we grew up together and I care about him still. Our lives have our lives have diverged. My salvation has changed me quite a bit from the friend he grew up with. While Bob is still Bob, he still lives in the world, listening to the world's music. His heroes are drawn from the world. The God of this world has helped him to fashion a God of rationalism, evolution, education, where man is just another animal without the God of the Bible. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4 says, But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, like so many others in the world, he's fashioned a God of his own making and worships education and science, falsely so-called, see 1 Timothy 6.20, and ultimately it's himself over the Bible. You know, he's become his own God. It, it's, it's idolatry. Exodus twenty three through 5 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. And really, Bob has become his own God, and and this idolatry keeps him from reading the Bible because he's too busy pursuing his own self-made goals. Um, You know, the other thing about idolatry and what we just read here in Exodus is that I can think of religions that incorporate idolatry into their, I guess you could call it worship, and uh, either it's either statues or The Greek Orthodox Church calls them icons, and uh, I've experienced going into a Greek Orthodox Church where they're actually kissing these pictures, kissing these icons of what they call saints and and other people, and and they may say, well, we don't worship it, but there certainly is a strong veneration going on when they're kissing pictures, and and, uh, I'm not sure what they do with Exodus 23 through 5, and I... And I know Pastor Strobel was initially raised Roman Catholic, and I think there's some idolatry going on there with the statues and, um, what is it, Mary, the mother of God, is listed. And I know that as I drive even by some Catholic churches, there's this big emphasis on Mary or Joseph or some some other people, almost like Mary's a co-mediatrix, and we know that's not true. So... Uh, I don't know if you have something you'd like to join in on that with Pastor. Well, yes. I mean, growing up in the Catholic Church, the emphasis was on um, pretty much everything else but the Scriptures. So here's, I I grew up in Catholic Church, but I I went also to uh, seven or eight years of uh, Catholic grade school, two years of Catholic high school, and I also visited um, uh, Catholic um, uh, Seminary seminary for high school students and then a couple for college students. So I was taught a lot in our our grade school, especially I remember uh, being taught about um, 
doctrine. When I say doctrine, I mean Catholic, they call it dogma, you know, catechism, things like that. It's religious uh, studies. So our class, we'd have, we call it religion, our religion class. And whenever the priest would teach and wanted to be authoritative, he would say this, the church says, the church says, the church says. Where, where we in a Bible-believing church say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And what the church says now isn't necessarily what the church said before. And what the church said now isn't what necessarily the church is going to say next week or next year. What the church says has changed and continues to change. And they can change it, you know, whenever they want with their system of authority. Yet the scriptures... Uh, you open it up as long as you got the right Bible, it's going to say the same thing today as it did yesterday and the same thing tomorrow and next week and next year as it did uh, today because, as the Lord said, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Amen. And so since you don't have that emphasis on the word of God, you know, it's replaced with other things, including idolatry, which if they would have paid attention to and emphasized the word of God, would have read right in Exodus chapter 20 that um, you're not to be... Uh, not only not worshiping these things, he says, thou shalt not bow down thyselves to them. Amen. So even if like I was taught, these are, well, or, or I, like, like I hear people telling me today, not necessarily as I was taught, but as I am told by others saying, well, we don't worship these idols. They're just aids to worship. They aid us in our worship. Well, even so, you're not to bow down before them. And I know that they do. I know that I did. Based on the teaching that I got, I can remember myself up at the Roman Catholic altar, which is, uh, has like a wooden railing and then um, a padded kneeler. And I can remember myself up there before statues, idols, looking at and focusing on the statues and praying to the people that were on the statues. And um, and I was bowing down before those idols, which the Lord said, don't do. And of course, when the Catholics teach the Ten Commandments, they leave that one out and divide number 10 into two. Uh, separate commandments about coveting your neighbor's uh, wife and your neighbor's goods, and they just somehow, somehow they just lose that uh, commandment about idolatry because <laughs> it hits a bit too close to home. Was there ever an emphasis on from the priest or whoever is up there to say you you know you need to be reading the Bible at, at home or? Uh, no, I never remember being told to read the Bible at home um, outside of a religion class. Matter of fact, we, I don't even, if there was anything about the Bible, it'd be maybe they'd tell us bits and pieces of, of stories. Now, it was a little bit different when I went to high school. Our religion class, you had to have a Bible, and I remember having one, a paperback Bible. I couldn't tell you what version it was. Um, I can tell you what I did with it, you know, to keep myself, you know, occupied or my mind occupied during class i i wrote the names of um rock groups and so forth in it that i used to like <laughs> and doodled in it uh, because i was so bored with what the priest was was trying to say so that's the last the, those are the seven reasons i i believe people don't read their bibles and to be completely honest i haven't always been uh perfect in 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 this adventure either I, the cares of this world have sometimes Put me off a little bit, but it's a more than ever now. It's a habit to to read every day, and and um, I don't. I just don't feel good if I'm if I'm not doing it. So 
I'd uh, like to encourage you to to read your Bible every day, and you know it will make a big difference. Some people some people say, "Well, I don't know. Uh, I'm not the Christian that Pastor Strobel is, or you know, I'm not the Christian that you guys are talking about, and I don't have that kind of faith." But what does Romans ten seventeen says? So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So let me encourage you, and I'm sure Pastor Strobel wants to too, to encourage you to make Bible reading a daily part of your everyday routine. Pastor Strobel, this yes, sir. this was I enjoyed doing it this way. Amen. It was a it was a good way, and and uh, I appreciate all your input. Amen. It's been good. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. And again, thanks, Pastor Strobel, for joining uh, today and uh, giving those. Those really good insights into to what we've talked about. Seven reasons why people don't read the Bible. Certainly not an exhaustive list here, but let, again, hope it's an encouragement to you and, and, and maybe an admon, admonition if you haven't been reading the Bible. Maybe you want to start reading the Bible. Um, we're going to have some links on some of these uh, places that you could uh, have a checklist to help you get started. Um, but I think being saved is, is really the, the key to uh, understanding, what would you say, Pastor? That's the start. I know when I got saved, I told you we got bits and pieces of Bible stories after I got saved. All those bits and pieces began to come together and form um, a a picture as the puzzle was put together that I could understand. It was very enlightening. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord willing, we'll see you again soon. And uh, perhaps... We'll be hearing from uh, Matthew and, and Pastor Steve as well. But again, until then, press on. Rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye. Homeward we then will fly, glory to share. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies. You're absolutely correct. Marvelous.